And here we are, fresh off a win at Cage Warriors, the trilogy strikes back. Deki McAleenan, how you doing, my friend? That round of applause. Stuart audience can't handle themselves. They absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, well, good, my friend. How are you holding up? So, again, I know experienced man yourself had many a win before, but, you know, nice and fresh. How's it feeling? You feeling good? You feeling, you know, ready for, to go again? What's, what's the current like, you know? Yeah, feeling, feeling fresh. That said, sort of more injuries going into the fight than I did come out of it. So, it was, uh, it's good that way. So it is, just came back home Saturday and was made the conditioning session Saturday at two, quarter past two. This is sort of no rest. That's the thing in itself. And like with the um, cut and everything else, did you, was there much to do with regards to like the sort of trip across again? Because I know it's not exactly, you know, a million miles away, but it's still like, you know, plane journey, this, that and the other. How was that yeah. managing and stuff? It was grand. So it was bar, I left everything to the last minute, uh, packing wise. And then I was so... Tuesday night, I was flat out trying to get everything sorted, and then the child decided not to sleep, so I got about three hours sleep sorted. It was an early start Wednesday morning, so that that wasn't great. Like, so. I mean, funnily enough, this is sort of the transition, and this is I think is an interesting topic of being a dad and also being a professional fighter. Because again, in the ideal world, you'd have your you know set sleeps, let everything you know meals are laid out, but no, okay. Two in the morning, kids woken up. Okay, now I've got to get something to eat. I'm hungry still. How are you yeah, finding that transition? Yeah, the, the sort of lockdown has helped me a wee bit. Don't give me time not going straight into like becoming a dad and then straight into fighting. Uh, so I had a bit of time to sort of transfer over. Like the boys would take a piss in the club. I used to struggle to make it to 10 o'clock classes in the morning with sleeping in and stuff. And now that's gone. Like, you know, I, I'm up, up at maybe whatever time the child wakes up at, I have to get up at. Like, it's you be there socks and crocs soon as well. You won't care about anything. You start dressing like a dad as well. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty straightforward anyway. All my clothes are black tracksuits. <laughs> so it doesn't... It's all it needs. It's all it needs. No need to sort of overcomplicate it. Now, with that being said then, has your like training schedule changed much with that being said, like planned in advance? Was it like, okay, if I can't do these early mornings, can't do these late ones? Is it sort of mixed around? How has it sort of changed? Uh, it's been a lot more structured. It's actually, if anything, I'm getting more training in and uh, getting better training because there's no more just like, as I said, sleeping in for the 10, 10 o'clock class and trying to gather up a few of the boys and do a bit of training. Don't like, Later on the day, now everything is structured and whatever is put in, like we're running past the coaches, whatever's put into my diary at the weekend, that's the training that I do each week. Like, I don't miss out on it, which is a lot more sort of regimented. Well, it definitely makes a lot more sense doing that way as well, especially when it comes to like periodizing, you know, block building and also like programming stuff. Now, throughout like your camp and your training in general, have you been quite numbers based and very much like, okay, we're doing this week, it's week one, blockade, this, that, and the other. We're doing explosive work and this kind of prioritizing, or is it more go how you feel and sort of a bit more freestyle or such? No, it has been, uh, it's been, as I said, it's been more structured. There has been a lot of, uh, we've added in a lot more conditioning and, and doing things like that, uh, and a lot more strength work. Uh, but we also have been sort of, Sebastian's been running the camp as in the start of the start of it. We're going over my week already, he's spending more time doing grappling and wrestling and the stuff that I don't enjoy as much, doing like the wall work and silly things like that. And then uh midway through we changed up and got a lot more sort of striking in. And then back to John like like everything then towards the end was just structured perfect, like. 
So, regards, so regards to like your preferences and the way you do your camps, the way you have these sort of structures, do you do a lot of strict discipline work or is it all MMA-based everything? Uh, it's, it's becoming more MMA-based, but like I would do a lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of strike, just straight-up striking, a lot of just straight-up. We've got a new wrestling coach, so now that's done like we're getting to do like each area is is becoming done like we would do a lot of that like in just a single area and then now we've added in maybe there's four mma classes per week like full mma classes no don't like no more no more like just oh, if you're gonna go and box you're gonna go and box don't like now we do like boxing and wrestling don't like our boxing and wall no it's been it's a lot better now like it's a lot more mma based well, that's something we see the progression. You see where the holes sort of form at the sort of high levels of that bit of timing, the setups and everything else. And regards of your development in those sessions, do you go in there with certain like internal tick listing? Okay, if we're going to do these like striking stuff, I'm going to make sure I land these entries, this, that and the other. Is it okay, I'm going to win certain rounds or just get in, get out and see what happens? No, no, no. I don't like, I, I always have something to work on in my head. If, if the person that I'm training with is better than me, then we have to get in and get out and don't like pick my strongest area to try and win that round. And then if the person's not as good as me, then we have to start don't like there's no point getting in and blindly don't push in a pace that the sort of pointless on the other person and pointless for myself. I'll then work on certain areas, whether it be my shots, whether it be my entries, whether it be my jab, whether it be my kicks, whatever it is, I'll, I'll work specifically on that in that round. So just to clarify on that then, is that more based off of their strengths opposed to your weaknesses? Or is it more, okay, this is the game plan I would implement in a round and this is their reaction and so on and so forth, like sort of feeling out, you see what I mean? Yeah, it would be more, this is what I would implement in this round. Okay, that's definitely a lot more interesting way of going about and everything else. And when it comes to obviously fights coming up, do you, do, do you change it towards the opponent as such or is it all your own personal holes to fill in as such uh, a bit of both to be honest it used to be I uh, I couldn't have cared who I was fighting or what what they'd done uh, I just thought I, I would have finished whoever was put in front of me and or got finished myself don't like that the way like I, I sort of looked at it and I wasn't too fussed about which way it went unfortunately the first pro fight I had didn't go my way I shattered my hand and and Neil had an injury that Neil put me out of fighting completely, just with re-breaks and being told that I shouldn't do it and you know, different things like that my hand wasn't going to hold up. So, uh, I've lost track of what I was saying. Oh, the, yeah, the, the game plan, is right. But then after that, I went on a five-fight win streak I mean, and just okay. stopped everyone. So I was kind of like, Sorry? A bit of a delay, don't worry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just a bit of a... Thing oh, sorry. Sorry. No, so I, I went in a five-fight winning streak, didn't research anyone because of the amount of pullouts I had and doing like different fights falling through. I just show up, fight, and feel them out in the first round and usually finish them in the second. And it was only then whenever I fought, whenever I came back to Cage Warriors that I fought Amable, who had near 20 pro fights whenever I fought him. And his experience, he had game plan to fight me 
and I was just showing up and winging it, thinking that I could finish him. So by the end of that fight, he had won each round. But I, I had near, I was the one going for the finishes, doing like nearly like hurting, like landing the better shots, throwing the submissions up, doing like going for stuff. And then, like right, I remember there was a scramble at the end of the fight, and I can remember saying to myself, "Shit, don't like you haven't, you haven't stopped him. Don't like how how don't like it, it was oh, well, something." Yeah. Yeah, like now what? And I think I went for an armbar. John, like just like sort of a stupid armbar just to try and finish him. And then it was like, shit, like you've definitely lost every one of them rounds. Where are we going? And then after that, then I started game planning, not researching the fighter, but game planning more for what I was going to do in the fight. And then just against the... Against Ventry, then we we did we looked at what he had done. This is the first time that we've actually sat and I like repeatedly watched these fights and watched what he'd done, what his tendencies are, and uh, I think that's the way forward. I mean, there's a lot in that. I mean, obviously the debut loss to is it James Gallagher was it your pro debut? Yeah, again, coming off an injury loss, actually a hand as well. Like, what was the recovery like for that as well? Because again, obviously, you've gone from the amateur rankings as your first like step in the pro leagues, and you get this big upset in itself. And again, having that conviction to strike, like how did you find coming back to just training in the first place from that? It was horrible. Like this, without exaggerating anything, I mourned that loss. Like that was that was a rough time for me. So it was between the pain of of the end, like my hands now a terrible shape. Like you know between the pain of the injury and the annoyance of the loss, I would say it was three or four weeks before I actually got a night's sleep, just constantly going over it and over and in my head. And then you have, like, the bone was sitting completely snapped in half. Like, you could move your hand and see the bone moving. And then the doctor was like, oh, no, I, I'll fix that by just putting you in a cast. And I was like, look, this is this is what I want to do and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, it, it's okay. We'll put you in a cast and it'll be fixed. So I said, right, there's no problem. We done that. And then say they gave me whatever turnaround time for it to be fixed. I was always weeks behind that. As in, in my, I, I was ahead of what they were telling me in the hospital. But training wise, if they said like next week you can have pads, I left it for three weeks before I hit pads. John, if they said, right, next week and hit the heavy bag, I left it, John, like for another couple of weeks before I done that. So I was always like over careful with it. And then anytime we got back to sparring, my hand broke. So I think it happened four times. I think it was maybe 16 months from my pro debut to my second pro fight, maybe 14 months. Uh which was taken on a week's notice. And I was kind of, from that, I really got the love for fighting again because it was very nearly over for me. So, and then you go to the doctors, the doctors tell you, oh, well, maybe you should find something else to do and don't stupid things like that. So Ooh, bit, one, yeah. one doctor in particular, we, I went private then and went to a hand specialist and he was a rugby player in his time. And he loved amateur boxing. He worked with a lot of boxers and loved amateur boxing. 
and couldn't understand what I was doing. Sure, we just punch each other in the head. Uh, so I was cheers for your opinion on 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 that. Like you know, so finding someone else to try and fix it. I mean, again, there's so much in that in itself. I mean, the frustration and everything else going on because the nature of like MMA, like obviously boxing, to just be completely devil's advocate, punching and footwork. That's what you can work on. Just a beer, that guy. And MMA, obviously, grappling everything else. Because, again, could you even grapple with that hand? Could you even put weight on it? Could you, like, pummel or anything? No, I held a tennis ball. And that's, I didn't, so I didn't use that hand. Any kind of grappling at all that I'd done, I was holding a tennis ball so that there was no pressure on that hand whatsoever. I mean, that in itself, again, how can you stay the same kind of just momentum really consistency because again like training regularly competing regularly this is your first big step the hand goes and then getting back into it like how was your even motivation to come back to training in the rehab process because again you're saying the time between the fight itself but even like okay i can't even hit pads like what can i even do like was your head sort of thinking okay just tick along was it just go for the motions is it how are you coping with that kind of like mindset such it happened that uh, my thai boxing club we have like a RMMA, Jiu-Jitsu, Thai boxing's all under one roof. And just in the build-up to that pro fight, I had started the kids and teenagers Thai boxing classes under Nuri Muay Thai, under my coach, Sean Smith. He had given me sort of the leeway to, to go ahead with that. And the only thing I think that got me through the injury period was teaching the kids and teenagers because in that short space of time that I was out injured, I think within that time from only starting the kids and teenagers, we had four Irish champions maybe. Because that's I just solely focused on that. And that was sort of my output, you know, like our input to fighting. And then obviously it was just constantly, I don't know anything else. I've been doing this. I'm 29 now. I started when I was eight years old. I don't really know anything else or I don't do anything else. So I had to whether it was grappling with the ball in your hand, whether it was footwork on the ladder, whether it was boxing with one hand, working your kicks, working your elbows, working your knees. There was a lot, a lot can be done with just one hand. Like, I mean, this is kind of the point in itself is to say, if you've got the mindset to want to come back and feel, I think the hunger I want to say, to then want to do the other stuff around it. Because otherwise, if you see the hurdles of the things you want to do, which you can't do, it's very Debilitate, debilitating that's the word to English so I can't speak it um, and, and again this is in itself being in the coaching environment and being like you know present and still being in that environment without having to feel like you're not doing enough you're doing what you can is an interesting way about it and if anything having the sort of I don't know the, the fact it was almost taken away from you gives it something more value having it back that thinking okay this could be taken away just like that like I could just you know hit a pad phone and that's it gone that's it, like, because I, I went from that thinking that this was all taken away from me to I actually had went back. I'd, I'd given myself till March, I think it was 2017 maybe, or 18. I'd given myself anyway to March, whatever, whenever this was. It was like maybe September, October time. And it says, if I'm not fighting by March, that's me done now. You know? So pretty much when my hand breaks again, I'm, I'm out. You know, like I'm, I'm not putting up, I'm not, I can't do it anymore. It's not fair on myself, it's not fair on, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm starting to 
get more and more agitated with it in that sort of way. So it said that it'll fight, and if I don't fight by March, that's that's it. We're going to have to John. Like I'm obviously I'm not able to do it. And I was over in California training with Team Alpha Male, and I had just finished sparring, just finished boxing sparring maybe. And Sebastian had got on to me about actually got on to me and Marching about fights on Cage Warriors. One was in two weeks, and the other I think was in four weeks. And it just happened to be that my weight was lower than Marching's. So I took the first fight on two weeks' notice, three weeks' notice, whatever it was. I was in California, and they said, yeah, I got to as well fight, uh, see, see what way we get on. Everything went perfect. Won the fight in the first round, broke my hand. And I was like, oh, this is just going to be a thing now. That I, I didn't even care. It was like... I had the mindset and I had the, the skill set now to deal with being able to go from your debut pro fight, not really throwing elbows, not used to throwing elbows, that whenever you're hitting pads and you don't have a right hand, you only have an elbow, your elbows become very like fluid and very comfortable to throw. So whenever it went, it was just like, ah, that's gone, but we still have our elbows. We still have like other other weapons and other tools. So I was a lot more prepared for it to happen then. And lucky enough, got the, got the winning got back on track. Again, there's, you start these things, there's so much to sort of unpack in itself, like Team Alpha Male and everything else. I mean, with that then, so you're saying there, if this goes again, I'm done. But then having the finish and then having it as well, it's an interesting kind of, okay, the way you've changed that perspective of, if this happens again, this is it. So, oh no, that's it, it happens. And you sort of move on straight from there. My idea was if this happens again in training where I can't get myself to a fight, then it's a problem. But once I get myself into the cage, I don't, I'm putting my body on the line. John, like I don't, I don't care. A hand's not going to stop me in a fight. So just as long as I, I kind of sort of shrugged it off and says, this might be the way it is where you're going to have to book four or six weeks off after every fight and let this heal and and then lucky enough it, it got the time healing what it needed and I actually managed to crack them hard enough to break a different part of the same bone so that that first injury John, like, so it was if anything most people think oh well there were broken hands a broken hand I was saying it's not too bad <clears throat> it's only a crack and it's further down the bone so I hit him hard enough to crack the bone <laughs> but not break the thing that was giving me issues. So I was, I was happy with that. And so like, it wasn't, wasn't a big deal. I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. It was doing pretty hard. And with that being said, anyway, like again, the intricacies of the hands and everything else, cause you hear stories of like public sort of GPs and stuff saying, I'll oh, cast it. That's the end of that. Whereas the hand surgeons say, no, if we don't do this, you won't be able to fight again. You won't be able to make a fist. Like, yeah. One of my friends and training partners, Dan McGow, and he's had like hand problems as well. And Jordan Vichenek, he had um, a hand thing a little while ago. And again, you, you get these kind of issues that if they're not sorted properly, we can have some real sort of issues. So regards of your training then, so you're saying with the fight, if your hand goes, your elbows, but obviously it would be a very popular training partner you start throwing elbows. So is it a case of you just throwing with big gloves only and sparring? You're not throwing the right hand at all? What's the general like rule of thumb for that? Oh, no. That's years ago. That's, that's a thing of the past. As I said, that, that was my first two pro fights. Mm. That, that was an issue. 
now we're 10 fights in with we've eight fights under our belt and there's no from a yeah there's been no no real problem there's been no no issues with that now thank thankfully oh perfect as i said and it feels like a bit of a something you're just doing like you know maintenance to make sure it doesn't happen again so well we take it so regards to like the game planning back to the sort of the task game with that who was your game planning so specific with the opponent so eventually sort of things you want to implement then or is it more a case of okay this is a hole he might try and exploit in my game so i'm going to capitalize on that you see what i mean yeah we did uh we had sort of implemented my game plan we knew we were hoping that like Vandry came out the way he came out against like the likes of Took or someone like that. Jonah can come out heavy and Jonah pushed in the first round with his hands. I didn't expect him to shoot so fast. Like it wasn't even 30 seconds into the first round he'd shot. But it's uh, judging off his previous fights, I haven't seen him do that. So it was kind of just a case of I was expecting a wee bit more out of him. And that's that's why I was expecting the second round finish was because I was expecting to throw a wee bit in the first round and know have a bit of back and forward. And then with the pace that I would push that come the second round, he wouldn't be able to keep the same pace that we pushed in the first round. Unfortunately, we did frig all in the first round, really. And... Uh, I was fresh enough, so like I at that stage, like I was talking to Sebastian in the corner. He said he asked how it was or whatever it was, and like I hadn't even broke a sweat. I think that's the words I said them was I haven't broke a sweat yet. Uh, I mean that in itself worked quite nice with the grappling side of things because again, if you're trying to implement some sort of controls, that's when the sort of slipping gets in the way. But again, it's a very frustrating sort of style when you end up sort of you know getting grapple fuck for lack of a better choice of words. But no, it's good to manage to be, yeah. be able to plan for that and be proactive. Now, when it comes to yeah. the events themselves and the build of everything else, how do you compose the, I don't know, the emotions, the nerves, whatever you're going to call it? How do you deal with, okay, I've got a fight on UFC Fight Pass, on Cage Warriors, you know, the trilogy, whatever you want to call it. On the whole being around the environment, being in a fight, fight camp mode as such, how do you process those kind of, I don't know, emotions, energy, whatever sort of words you want to use for it? Uh, back to what like I've had hundreds upon hundreds of fights in different disciplines and no discipline during like I fought in front of hundreds thousands and I fought in front of nobody at the end of the day on on Friday night past me and Vantry were going to fight not on UFC fight pass or on cage warriors or for a big during like I had to meet him in the middle of the cage on Friday night and fight with him. Nobody else, nothing else. That's all. I love fighting on the bigger platform. I love all that kind of stuff now because of the general response you get after it. But I've, as I said, there's been plenty of time where I've had to fight someone with no one there or I've had to fight with with plenty of people there. It It doesn't really make a difference. Okay. So that, that's it's good the fact you can sort of not even compartmentalize that sort of okay, you can just take it for what it really is instead of like the actual artificial layers of the other sort of pressures and everything else. But more so the, 
the composure and the sort of venom as such because again you compare it to a sparring session like how do you differ that in your head as such is it a okay, case of essentially sparring but not holding back is it a case of a this is you know you've got to get some sort of not animosity as such but a bit more venom behind it like how do you have a certain like mindset for a fight do you have a switch as such or is it more just business as usual yeah it's it's not it's not a switch it's different like i, I do i can switch into fight mode easy that's whatever it is whether it's a wee bit more badness it's probably actually a wee bit more calmer more like drawn calm and collected than than getting angry and wanting to hurt someone like i know that if i can stay like if i try and try to hurt someone don't like really really try and knock them out or really try like it's not going to happen you're just going to be stiff and you're going to be slow so just go out relaxed and take like as you said take it exactly as it is and see what's happening in front of you and then it, it's it's not an issue like I mean, that in itself is so important to sort of build that level of composure because, again, this isn't something that's... Is that something instinctive to you? Is it something how it's always been? Do you used to be a bag of nerves or is it something that you've sort of built up over time? This kind of mindset. Um, not nerves, no. Uh, I would have been bad-tempered if I... Don't like... Uh, always like, well... I'd rather been disqualified than lost the fight. Like, I would have threw the head and done something that wasn't done because somebody, and then be like, well, fuck it, I didn't lose. Like, you're, you're over there in a heap and I'm standing over here. I win that fight. Um, but then, same as playing football, if, like the stupid stuff, getting yellow cards for someone diving. I would have thrown my boot in you after that then and been like, well, just give me a red card and send me off or something I did do. Do you know, like, d- different things like that, which, as I've matured, I've got out of that, that sort of process. So I have, do you know, like, where someone trying to wrestle, fuck you, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. I would have got, I would have, like, back as an amateur, the first person that, I think it was my third amateur fight, I fought a brown belt. And he, uh, same game, he was just trying to pin me against all home there and fucking dry hunt me. So I hit him a slap and John like lost the plot, hit him a slap and uh, John because we we're on the cage, you couldn't really punch him and started talking shit and lost the plot completely. But in the point of that was then ended up getting beat that fight because I'd lost my composure. So then it was kind of like a point there you can if you want, you can sort of lose your temper and use that as your excuse. Don't like to get out there. Well, sure, it doesn't matter anyway. A lot, I've done that and I've done this. Or you can just man up and sort of deal with the issues at hand on why you're losing these things and how you're losing these things and what control you need to have over yourself. And then whenever that sort of came on board, then I've been sweet since like. I mean, that sort of reflection is definitely a really important tool with sort of composure and general sort of progress. Because again, if you're getting wrestled fucked and you're getting frustrated, like you take Luke Shanks and Jake Hadley, the main event on the Friday. Again, you can see Luke's mm-hmm. frustration, see him running in over and over again. And as his former teammate, it's very frustrating watching that. But anyway, the, the more point of, okay, take one first round, that's that. 
we won't talk about the other four that's fine uh, but you know the, the, the idea of being okay you get the first sort of instance this is a problem then reflect and then crack on how are you with that in a fight in itself do you treat a fight as basically one long round or is it a case of okay i've won or lost this first round the second round is you know fill in these gaps yeah is it fresh round fresh start where do you see your these sort of splits i think of it as one whole thing that John, like, and that's that's what used to get me. If you lost the first round, you're playing catch up. You're playing catch up going into the second round. You're probably going to lose the second round. At this stage, now you need to finish in the third round. If it is only three rounds, that obviously that's different. That was a title fight. It was five. You're playing catch up going into the third round. You're hunting now. You're probably not going to get the finish. John, you're too. You're going to try something stupid. And John, like, and not get John, like, not get what's needed. With that was uh, Luke's flying knee in the fifth round. Right off was the fifth round won it right off the yeah. start of the bat, and it was the takedown off it. So some of these things in a fighter's head, you have to go for broke in them situations. But it's not always the right thing to do, you know. Whereas like against the Amable, I was I was the same myself. Each round it was a kick that got me taken down. Uh, each round, I done the same thing because the first time I threw it, I heard him, and he was got like you could hear him like wincing and drawing stuff. Uh, whenever we clinched up, so I was just hunting for that one kick. I'd lost the first round. I was like shit, right? Go hunting, get the second round. Done the same thing. Third round, done the same thing. Whereas against after that, then it's just like right. Fights from that start with Tom Burns was like right. He lost the first round. You have two more at the minute. It's one. John's one nil. We still can get two. If I get this next round, now we're talking. John, like we're going into the third round even. So if you can think of that, it's easier to gather your composure as right. Scrap that. Like with eventually on Friday, scrap the first round. We're in the new, a new thing. I have to win this. Change the game plan slightly, and then it worked perfect. I mean, that transition is really interesting how you're getting the urgency sort of changing from, okay, I have to finish him. Otherwise, oh shit, I've lost the fight. The decision's already there. Like before you even realized it to then composure between the rounds to sort of telling, okay, one nil, one or whatever else to then, okay, this is, I need to get it done within the first one or two. This is the plan, but still winning the rounds in itself. Mm -hmm. And again, that sort of happy medium as such. And like, well, after a fight in itself, do you spend a lot of time reflecting off the mistakes as such? Is it okay, I've sort of felt it in there and then that's my learning, then come back? Or where do you sort of see your post-fight stuff? Is it quite an in-depth sort of breakdown? Yeah, but I, by far, if I'm not my biggest critic, the other way will be my biggest critic, one of the two of us. Uh, from years upon years, like, Back to back to McCrady days, I would have been maybe the only person on the national team that has won a like a say a competition in wherever we were, whatever part of Europe, whatever part of the world, whatever part of the UK we were in. I might have been the only person on on our team that has won the competition, but I would be the only one sitting in the room studying the competition, studying what John not not studying, watching, seeing the breakdown. Well. The first fight against your boy, what did you do? Well, that was shit because if he had been better, doing like you could have done, he could have done this, and then you would have broke down like the whole way to the final, the whole way to win. 
and then other boys that lost in the first round, they fucked off. They were out eating, don't out for a meal, out out having a drink with their family, and you're going like, if I'm sitting here and I'm not ha- like, this is from a starter on the national team number thirteen, so obviously wasn't drinking at that stage, but they were out for food with their family and stuff. I would order me a pizza. I'm going to the room and I'm going to sit and study what what has happened that day while it's fresh in my head. So you'd see me with a big thick head in me after winning the competition because I didn't do something right. And then that's between me or him. He like There's competitions I've won and was slapping the back of the head and told it was terrible. There's competitions where I've been beat in the first or second round and I got a pat in the back and told, right, that was during you just beat by the better man today, which... Is John like is it was hard to take, but it, it's good. Like, and it's made me sort of. I don't think if 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 I had been taken out, like the rest of them for food, or I wasn't punished. Don't get me wrong; it was my choice to stay back and watch these things. But if I had been like, no, no, you won. Come on and come on, and we'll go out and we'll get this. Or, no, no, you won. Come on, and you're great. Come on, and we'll do this. I don't think I'd be where I am today. Now, this is a really important subject, and I'm I like the way you're sort of describing those kind of things. Again, that kind of complacency to say, "Okay, that was good enough," and then you know, go off and do whatever and celebrate. Like, this is the difference between improving and you know, coasting and getting the default bronzes to getting the golds. And even then, like, how do you moderate your critique? Because again, it can get very. You can always find some sort of fault or some sort of flaw, and you can always make a scenario up. How can you restrict your critique to keep it constructive without going too sort of detrimental and sort of knocking your confidence as such? Uh, you have to sort of be confident enough to think that you can beat most people on your bad days. Like, I haven't even scratched the surface of how good I know I am and how good I have been in the gym. There's been glimpses of it in fights, but we're not even close yet. I, I'll criticize, like, I don't have a good word to say about that fight on Friday night. So it was the only decent thing really is a sub to black belt. So that's that's the only thing to take from it. I'll talk to my coaches. Uh, we'll watch the fight together. I already know where I went wrong. There's, as I said, I can't can't find much good about the fight bar my composure and getting that submission. Uh, but. I'll say to them what I think they'll they can constructively criticize me. So you know, like I'll say what I have, then we'll argue about well no, well that that you done this daggy or you done that daggy and I'll be like, no, but that's this was this and that was that. And then we sort of back and forth it'll be be grand then like Joe. You know? But it doesn't like don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm sitting here going, Oh, I'm bloody terrible, so I am this is the worst thing ever. I watch it and know what to improve on and I get on about my business. So even with that then, it's it's more so, okay, I could have done this then, I could have done this, that and the other. Is it more the way you've done certain things in more technique, more specific intricacies? Is it more decisions you made? Is it more game planning versus outcome application? Like what sort of areas are you sort of going into as such? Because again, you could always say, I don't know, my, my walkout song wasn't good enough or whatever. You can, you can go to such like ins- insignificant sort of things. Or is it, what, what, what areas are you most focused on? Like if you had to nail down to the specific area you're going to put your first point of priority on, what would it be? 
just what way, what, what I was able to do in the fight, what way the game plan and the, that I was doing, what way, it, what way it panned out, and what way that first and what way was I able to stop him from game plan? John, what way was I able to stop his game plan, or how was I able to deal with what he came at me with? John, like if Seven Toxic, we thought Fentry was going to strike, he didn't. Grappled straight away. Second round, quick change of plan, and then that was done. Like that was able to counteract then his game plan. So on the plus side, that was the bonus. Doing like that, that's the good part of it. On the bad side is we spent the first round on the ground. Problem being with that, there's an excuse in what happened Thursday, the week before the fight. I bollocks my ribs and the the muscle running down the front of the psoas or something and down my lat was done. So I was afraid to explode to try and get up off the ground. I would just I was safe enough and whenever I hit the first whenever I hit the turn for the first arm bar, I knew that I could hit arm bars or triangles and I was doing like my ribs were sweet. But I was afraid that one big explosiveness to get up against the cage was where I sort of bailed out of it and sat back. I sat back against the cage with the butterfly hooks and then sat back down in the McYard and was like, no, we'll just stay and play it safe just because of that that one thing. See, I like the way you've done that. There. I like how it's not so much, okay, you should have thrown this, should have done that, should have sprawled, should have done this. I like the way you'll break it down to, okay, this was a problem because this... We responded by doing this, a sort of, you know, not sort of flow kind of concept as such. Okay, what, what happened with that? Okay, what's the positive negatives? Why was that decision made? Because again, that in itself is an interesting one. Not what you did, but why you did it. Why was that your reaction? But it's good the fact you were able to, I don't know, adapt and improvise, because that's most of it really, is being responsive on top of everything else. And with that in general, how do you take that into your training in itself? Is every Do you have like a training journal after a session? Do you go down and say, okay, I did this well, this wrong, this is something I need to work on? Is it an internal kind of reflection, that kind of sort of things? Yeah, I'll reflect on it myself a lot. You know, like that's just if I if I have a good day, like I'm not one of these people that think if I land one job in spawn that I can go home and be like, here, here like a job the head of the boys today was unbelievable. My job. <laughs> Some, yeah, you know, like, yeah you know, like it's more like realistic. Like John, you know, if you do, if you land a job, if you land a couple of jobs or your boxing's real good today, John, you know, like that was good. How did how did he deal with whenever you were putting the pressure on with your hands? How did he deal with that? Right, well that would be his reaction then. John, like, and how did you react to that? John, like, it's more just back and forth. You have these stupid conversations with yourself, like we're, you know, you're saying what you would do, what he would do, well, what did you do back to what he done? John, like, and try and work that way. Like, I mean, that in itself is an interesting way how you sort of develop in, I think, almost in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, almost specifically a lot of action reaction sort of thing. Like regards of your development and understanding of the sport and the martial arts in general, obviously in various different disciplines, are you very much like action reaction? Are you more build a sort of system up? Is there reference point you've got? Like how do you learn? Like in ideal world, I learn by watching stuff and doing things. John, like I, I was never school never suited me. John, like that's how I got into the sport sort of thing. Whenever, whenever I, I think it was. 
third year in school, the 14. So maybe, maybe 14 or 15, I was given an option. So I was pretty much because school was sort of going downhill rapidly for me. And uh, I was drifting, like, as I said, I was on the national team, but it was sort of, my focus wasn't really there. And it was pretty much, I sat down and my dad says to me, look, you have two options here. You can forget about school and fully focus on sports. You can, or you can, you can forget about like sports and fully focus on school, but you're not going to be one of these wee arseholes that run about, trying to like run about the streets with nothing going for them. And that's that's one thing that stuck with me. In saying that, now I still had to go to school and do the different week courses because you couldn't drop out of third year. But if I had to go to Dublin for training in the evening, I was taken out of school early that I was ready to go to Dublin for training in the evening. John, like if I had to go to Dublin for training late at night, because that, that's where I live about an hour, probably an hour and 20 minutes away from Dublin back then because the motorway wasn't there. So I used to come home and if I didn't have to go in, maybe don't you know, first thing in the morning because I was in Dublin the night before to get my sleep, or I didn't have to go in, I could come out in the evening to go and do something that could be away for competition. So I was sort of then pushed into, you know, I wasn't pushed into fighting, but I was pushed into the, the sports end of things, like so that it didn't just become one of the boys running the streets. Now, with that being said anyway, obviously you're at school quite reluctantly, sort of going to the motion because you have to, but now you're doing, much as we're going to say it's quite crude, I wasn't doing fighting, because as much as it's martial arts, when you're that sort of age, you're like, okay, I'm kicking and punching things. How did you find being around people at school with that anyway? Because again, did you get into a lot of fights at school? Was it something not really on the radar? Was it just going to the motions, get your head down? What was that sort of like? I only ever got in two fights in school. Did you win? Um... That was like in in school, like on school grounds, I've only ever got into two fights. One had nothing got to do with me, and my class was fighting with a different class, and I just sort of jumped in for the for the fun of it. And then the second one, I got into a fight at the weekend, sticking up for one of my mates. And then a older fella came in. I was some fourth, so I was fifteen. I was 15 at the time, and a boy came in that was, he was two years older than me, so I would have been a third year, and he would have been a fifth year. And he came in to, he was suspended at the time. And he came into school for the sole, sole purpose of meeting me in the lunch yard for a fight. I said, that's, that's no problem. Uh, and I had <laughs> I broke my finger at the weekend. It was cold and fucking, <laughs> I landed a punch around. So that was my excuse on how I got out of trouble. But I, I, I never forget it because I went into the dinner hall and I sat down to eat my dinner and the sort of, the connecting, the connecting fella, the fella that was in my year that would have been friends with your other boy, I just sort of, so I got my dinner and sat down and just said over, Mickey, are we fighting? And your other boy stood up and goes, yeah, and stood out the big man. He goes, right, I'll see you at the handball alleys. That's where sort of there was no cameras or anything, so that's where you could get away with it. And I sat down at my dinner. There's the boys, right, come on, we'll go here and get this sorted. And as we were walking out, because there was a group of older people than us, they were sort of... You know, then they were sort of throwing their weight about and stuff and giving my friends shit and doing this and doing that. 
and one of the boys had threatened my friend and he goes right well look after we're finished me and you can have a fight then me and you sort this out leave him out of it and I mean I bit lumps out of this fella see whenever it started I, I walked round and <laughs> I sort of uh, I walked round the corner and says right are you ready yep and he swung a dig and missed and he swung an hour punch and missed again. I remember saying to myself, right, if anyone can see this, I'm not in trouble no more. He's just tried to hit me twice. And I, as I said, I slapped the head. There was blood coming from his ears and everything. So there was. And uh, at that stage, then nothing happened. Teachers came in, split it up. And I got a slap in the wrist pretty much. I got in-house suspension or something. So I got to spend a day with the foreign teacher. <laughs> like doing jobs around doing messages and stuff and your boy he got in serious trouble he wasn't even meant to be in the school at the time so I had and they'd seen him swinging for me first so I was only defending myself so that that's the only other fight that I got into in school and your boy would have been a bit of a hard lad so with that then I never really had much much other trouble then Outside of school, I had a lot of it, but in in school, it was grand. Fucking hell! I mean, I like the way you got the blind spot as well. I mean, you sort of clocked out quite nicely. I like the sort of um, the respect of understanding. Thing. Okay, I've got my lunch still. Let me finish this first. Like we you get that. You don't. I'm not wasting this. <laughs> this microwave burger ain't going to waste. This is my lunch. Then we're gonna get sort of sat around the corner. Now. No. <laughs> obviously with like competitions in itself like when you were competing like early into like doing martial arts was it the same kind of like fight animosity in the same kind of sense was it sport because that sounds like okay i've been fighting in my own training and now it's just another fight like what was that sort of transition like sort of was it sport for you with early ages was it fighting what was that to you fighting it was it's always been fighting for me so it has it's between like as i said when i was younger uh I didn't get many fights in school, but between playing Gaelic football and just the wee rivalries from the clubs and then going out to the sort of teenage discos and stuff, I got in panties of fights. But they were never really too bad because you had some sort of training. You could always kind of handle yourself. Like nowadays, nearly everyone's doing something. So, John, like you could be in a bit more bother, but back then no one was really doing too much. You might have got the odd boxer or something, but nothing... Don't like nothing worth talking about. Like. Yeah, you start seeing cage wall defense and Weatherspoons. See the Saturn you have, you start seeing all that kind of stuff. So go Dagestani handcuffs yeah. in the um in the eights, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, so we'll take a little interval there, mate. Any sponsors you want to shout out? Yeah. Uh to start off, my main sponsor is the McAllister Group. Uh it's just a, it's a, it's actually a massive company, so it is, but it's local to to Nyeri. So I have to give them a massive shout out. They've stuck with me all year with uh, keeping me going, going throughout the year, like uh, in the rough times. Like, and then as soon as we got out of it, they were straight back on board in September, John, for the Ventry thing again. Like, uh, and then we have uh, Our Kings would be the next one. The Raffle Company there. It's local. It's huge too. Then there's BNM Meets, Keen Morgan Mail Grooming, Buzzard Comics, Arcadian IT, 
Comiskey Nursery Services, and then Nile Colgan Mechanics and Morn Hydraulics. Oh, is that it? It's like NASCAR. Look at that. It's got all the sponsors. I know. Yeah. No, it's it's see see to be honest with you, the support like that's not even like that's the sponsors that look after me financially. If we were to get into the sponsors, like the guys that are like Damien Rooney that takes me for PTs every week, John, like just for like to, to see me do well. You've Gav Kid that takes me for PTs to see me to do well. You've like Yannick McGee does my nutrition and just John, like they're they're doing things for you to see you to succeed. Like doing the same as the boys at least twenty eight. They're all they're all there just wanting me to do well. The same as like and the recovery room that all give like letting me use their services or don't or taking me for training or they said letting me into the ice bath and the, the sauna and doing like the hot tub and everything to recover. So yes, they're not actually they're not like financially helping you, but they're looking after your body and you will be able to if you were if you had to pay for them services it would cost you a bomb. Like you know, so there is the support in this it's only a small town and everyone's behind me in it like i mean that's so important like having that level of camaraderie again because as much as it isn't the direct financial support is that and the other it's still money or not spending on it in the first place and again it's not even just that as a gesture it's them showing that support yeah. by wanting to help you in that kind of way and that's so important and on the note of things supporting us shout out to our podcast sponsors the english hypnotist for anyone looking to take a step up in their mental game whether it's business fighting whatever it may be chat to richard hart he's your man um the rico clothing was the next one pod 10 for a checkout 10 percent off on all products the range is always expanding have a look and the people's it for your website needs chat to chow he's your man hey i look at sound like a radio dj love to see it <laughs> it's good fun so we'll go for a couple of um instagram questions and i'll let you enjoy your evening so advice to amateur fighters going to going pro what would you give to an ami looking to turn pro eventually an amateur looking to turn pro, I would say get like enjoy number one. The, the most common thing is enjoy the process. Like don't take work on your weakest area and always like spend more time in your weakest area and always focus on your strengths. Don't forget about them. And also like there's too much pressure putting amateur fighters these days. Like a, a lot of amateur fighters I know are being treated like professionals. You need to build that experience like you there should be fights that you're like doesn't matter of the outcome like say for toxic if you hurt your foot fight with don't like fight injured get the experience it or don't like you you hurt your ribs you hurt something like you know there's certain injuries you can't fight with there's other injuries you can't fight with take that time as an amateur that that's going to disappear whenever you turn professional but if you don't have the experience if you think you're always going to fight at a hundred percent like health you'll probably never have a pro fight because it just doesn't happen. And they only be put under that pressure whenever like money's involved and stuff isn't great. Like, you know, you'd want to have all that experience built up, have your good days as amateurs, have your bad days as amateurs, but always show up and fight. It, it does stand by you whenever you turn pro. Yeah. I like that a lot. Cause again, you get people in the gym, so you get a mix of levels. Like for example, my gym, we got, 
Jordan Buchanan, Tom Mearns, and again, a lot of other pros, but also a lot of amateurs. And again, it almost feels, okay, if we're competing, if we're getting similar levels and sparring on this, that, and the other, then it's like, okay, now I guess that makes me pro. It means I have to compete at this level when realistically it's not just, you know, catching someone on an off day. It's everything else. It's the experience. Like you're saying, they're fighting injured, fighting uncomfortable. All the other experience is so important. Um, next one we've got is how many times a week do you do S&C, strength and conditioning, during a fight camp? Mm. Four. Maybe four. So what kind yeah. of S&C do you sort of do in the sense of is it quite high output? Is it more movement stuff? Is it alignment stuff? What's your S&C like? Well, on Tuesday, I would do sort of weights and then I would do like hard, hard cardio, like assault bikes, skier, ski ergs, bike ergs, uh, more sort of crossfit kind of electronic ball ball thrusters and things like that. Like, so a lot of like cardio and endurance based stuff. Uh, and then also I would do sort of more like strength and power based stuff with demo before I would do that as well. Thursday would be a good mix of both like strength and conditioning, like going from one to the other to the other. And then Saturday, I would do Saturday would be a big, big output on the cardio, so it would. So there's sort of two strength and two conditioning during like endurance based days, like, and then also on a Wednesday, I would do a lot of mobility and stretching with Gareth. Okay, so you're still getting the the systems sort of working, and again, you're getting the also the building the frame and everything else. Okay, it's quite a cool one. Um, with how often should you spar and how hard should do you spar? Uh, how often do you spar? I spar. I'd spar twice a week. I, for the last fight, I'd spar twice a week. I do five rounds on a Wednesday, getting short tank pretty much. Five fives, and then we do positional sparring after, and then on a Friday, build the same again for this fight. I would do three five minute rounds. Friday was fight day, so we take the whole day off, chill out with the child. That was sort of my day. Would take the drunk like I booked off work to spend time with the child, and then Friday evening come in around the time you're meant to be fighting, and do do three hard rounds sparring, and then positional sparring after now with positional stuff is it your standard amount side control half guards is it more like situational like okay you've been taken down get up you've got x amount of time left in the round what's your positional like in specifics yeah so it could be against it could be holding someone against the wall it could be being held against the wall it could be sitting with your back against the wall to get up you could be stuck with someone on your back it could be stuck on, on bottom and half yard, top and half yard, Jonah looking to do pretty much your basic Jonah every area or mix it up with a bit of like shoot boxing, Jonah boxing, wrestling kind of stuff. That would be that's not really positional, but we would add, we would do that as well, Jonah, just to sort of take the the intensity out of the Jonah the intensity out of the spawn. Right, everyone go take your shin guards off, do whatever. One day we would have drunk boxing and wrestling and we would drop the time to like maybe three minutes 
but uh, positional would just be wall and as you said positionals on the ground like yeah because again it's interesting having that transition from okay this is pretty much a fight <laughs> you know getting paid for but the shin guards yeah. on to okay now we're going to yeah. try and not flow but you know take this sort of take it down a couple of notches and just sort of understand a bit more yeah and then the same over if you're going to go off that's that's personally what i do whenever i'm at home uh and then saturdays we used to before whenever we were actually allowed to run classes and train together saturdays would have been our sparring day where you would have come in for an hour and sparred but it would have been like a lot less don't like you're sparring for an hour and we're doing three minute rounds so it would have been a lot less intense if, if that makes sense like john because you could do three or four rounds sit out around or it could be the heavy boys and then the light boys or if there's a guy I would just jump in the cage and not take don't not sit any of the rounds out but just sort of mess about in the cage and just work on things and go at a lower pace like uh, and then whenever I'm out in the states whenever I'm out in alpha male you do five five fives on a Wednesday and then about an hour maybe maybe 12 to 15 rounds on a Saturday of boxing then that's that's the spawn if it was out there what would what would be done yeah because again alpha male is very sort of wrestling heavy as well and it's seeing a lot of people out there like um Corey McKenna and a few other people who sort of make the camp over there Scott Malone as well getting interesting yeah. sort of mix of people um and last one favorite thing to do outside of fighting like what's your sort of off topic thing in itself do you ever sort of thing you switch off with yeah, it used to, like, I've always loved motorbikes, so I have, but I'm a complete disaster, and think, think John, I'm great at everything, like, but if, like, just the competitiveness, John, like, if, if you're out on a bike, you have to sort of try and keep up, so, or try and be be ahead, so, a lot, I'm sort of more into watching the bikes now, or I got myself a mountain bike, and just the way I, you know, sort of doing the trails and stuff like that. Like that's sort of my main thing at the minute. Like from from lockdown, it's always good to have that time away from sort of you know being a full time fight, being a full time dad, and just trying to like okay, maybe let's just take a bit of time to be present in something else, just to like you know unwind a little bit. Hundred percent. Now, most important question of the podcast, my friend: social media. Where can people find you? Thank you, Mike Leenan, MMA on facebook and instagram and then michaelina and mma on twitter <laughs> links those will be in the description